All right, I think that's it. Um, like I said, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Let me say a word of prayer right quick, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for bringing us here today to study your word. Um, Lord, open it up to us. Speak to us through your word. Um, God, us and direct us today. We thank you for being able to meet together to celebrate your son as we do every Sunday. Guide us and direct us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 2, chapter 11 through 22, just kind of as a preface, um, I was kind of going through and seeing what we might talk about. And I've been personally studying Ephesians in my uh, own devotional time. And I thought it had a good symmetry with what we've been going through in terms of the uh, law, Exodus. We're looking at the, the tabernacle, how the, the specifics, the gold, the, the elements of the tables and the, the Ark of the Covenant. And so just be mindful of that as we read Ephesians 2 and and think of some parallels between the tabernacle temple idea and what we're going to be looking at today. So Ephesians 2, chapter 11, uh, verse 11 through 22. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you are without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the, <clears throat> the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So what does that mean? <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> That's a lot, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through it uh, in sections, kind of parse out the main points, um, discuss it, kind of apply it, and um, go from there. I, I really like Paul is probably my favorite New Testament writer. Um, it's just so he does a great job of being very very clear and concise. Um, if I, what I noticed is there's a lot of stark contrasts, the, the, the motifs that are like this versus this, this versus this, this versus this. 
So that helps my simple mind um, <laughs> really understand it better. Somewhere my English teacher from high school is smiling. It's like, yeah, he got it. So, so just, uh, just be mindful of that as we look at this. So verse, verses 11 and 12, um, he goes into the uncircumcision versus circumcision. So what is the significance of this? What, why is that here? A, a representation of uh, the people of, of Israel. If you're in the covenant, you're circumcised. If you're out of the covenant, you're uncircumcised. So he's, he's drawing a distinction between Jews and non-Jews. Definitely. Definitely. And that was the, throughout the whole Testament, that was kind of the, the stigma is, you know, if you're, if you're a part of the people of Israel, you're in, effectively. Uh, and if you're not, you're out. There was this definite separation there. There was, uh, there's a tension here, a tension and separation that there's not really any continuity there. And he also points out it's made with flesh by hands. And for that covenant in that time, that's what was to be done. But it was just a type of shadow. It wasn't as uh, good as Christ is, which now he writes the law on our hearts. Says. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and verse twelve that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, um, and um, having no hope without God. That's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> no hope. Um, that's I can't fathom that that idea of being so far from God that there's no hope. Verse thirteen. But now, <laughs> Whew, got that over with, right? Those I don't know those verses in the Bible that you know you have these ideas of oh we were bad we did this and this and this and this we're so far from God, but God, but now. Isn't that good? <laughs> but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. We were far, we're near. Motif. Yes. <laughs> By the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So it's not, it's not something that just happened. It's, it's Christ gave His life blood. Um, through Him, that we now who are separated from Him can be brought near to Him. Um, verses 14 through 17. This is probably the meat of the, the passage. Um, so the main thought that really drew out to me was, um, for He Himself is our peace. He is our peace. Uh, the, the Greek word there is irene, which I really like that word. It's, it kind of dances off the tongue. <laughs> um, if you've, uh, I've, I've, I've had the thought that I might name my first daughter Irene, but I don't know if she would ever forgive me um, <laughs> because I kind of get the picture of like the, the receptionist in the law office who's about to retire, so I don't know about that, but that's kind of, that's where that name comes from, Irene. Um, 
so that that's for free. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> but but he, I'm sorry. You're welcome, Kevin. <laughs> he himself is our peace, who has made both one. What, is, what does he mean by that? How is he our peace? Well, we were separated from God, but now we can be with God forever in eternity because of what Christ did. So we were, we were separated. Is, isn't Ephesians written to Gentiles? I believe so. Okay. So even though he's making the distinction between Jews and non-Jews, he's saying that dividing wall, because see, pre, pre-Christ, only the Jews could be saved. You had to become a Jew, and you had to practice the rite, and you had to go to the temple and make the sacrifices, etc. But post-Christ, it's a Jew on the inside. So now Gentiles and Jews alike go through the one door, and that is Jesus Christ. So he's... He's broken that down that dividing wall and made peace. Awesome. In Isaiah, That's, it says he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. Mm. And so just having that trust in Christ that he produces in us should bring us peace. Having that hope, you know, in the midst of this world, in the midst of all the sin, we have Christ. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. There's peace within ourselves. There's peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then there's peace with God. Right. Man, y'all are good. Wait, why do So not just what Christ did, but that since he himself is alive, like the present life of Christ and his Holy Spirit dwelling with us is our peace too. Because if he would have, you know, done away with our sin and all that and then just left us, but he lives interceding for us. Mm. The life of Christ is our peace daily and that's where I hope it Right, is. right. This is jumping the gun a little bit, but he's the spirit is within us. Mm-hmm. You know, on a daily basis. It's not this nebulous thing out there. Mm-hmm. We're in Christ and he's in us. Mm-hmm. So remember that. Yeah, you you nailed it on the head. Uh, <laughs> he broke down the, the middle wall of separation. Yeah used to, you know, you had the court of the Gentiles as we've been kind of looking at how the tabernacle and temple has been laid out. You know, we have this, this wall, this wall of hostility in some versions that, that you couldn't, if you weren't a Jew, you couldn't be there with the Jews. You had to stay outside the wall. In Christ, that's no more. I'll, I also think of, in this, in this context, I think of uh, the veil being torn from the top down. Um, not only are we together now, but we have access to God. And we'll see that a little later. Um, turn with me to Micah chapter 5. This was read last week in the worship service. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's also a good a good passage to visit in this context also, especially as we're approaching the Christmas season. But Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor is given birth, 
Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be peace. So, so yes, the <coughs> throughout, throughout Scripture, we, we see that Scripture interprets Scripture. And that uh, I've heard it said that we should read our Bibles from the back to the front. <laughs> right. In terms of we see Christ and we know Christ has come. And He's broken down the middle wall of partition. But we read that back into the Old Testament to see the types and shadows. To see that, that the, the temple and everything that was going on with that, the exodus, the, the serpent in the wilderness, was all pointing to Christ. So that was um, something that really caught my eye. Go back to Ephesians. (laughs) So, let me find my place. The thing about being once for all reminds me of Ishmael, and I mean, I guess the difference between Ishmael and Isaac, and how Abraham had to go just leave Ishmael out in the desert. Mm hmm. Because he wasn't the one. Right. That's pretty being far off. Definitely. And in verse 16, um, he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. Um, So there there was this tension. And now through his body on the cross... Through, through a violent death, it's kind of interesting, uh, he brought peace to put to death the enmity. Um, go over to, uh, to Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2. If you want a parallel passage to this, just flip over to Colossians chapter 2 also, and it's almost, it's almost word for word, not quite, but it's like, oh, hey, this is close. <laughs> Colossians 2, verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, you know, he says, he abolished the law of commandments contained in ordinances put to death the enmity, made one man from the two, therefore making peace. That's a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's easy to kind of glaze over that. But... You know, Clint, in, from the world's eyes, we as, as humans, we always try to put dividing walls back up. Mm. We try to look at the differences between people and ages and time frames and ethnicities and all different kinds of stuff and put up dividing walls again and say, well, I'm better than you because we're different. Mm. That's not the case. If we're in Christ, 
completely contrary to the mindset of the world, we should have peace with, with everybody. Mm. Because we're all the same in Christ and outside of Christ. What he's done should bring us peace. Definitely. If we focus on that and don't take the fleshly mindset. That's it. That that's <laughs> that's our innate nature. That's that's what we it comes naturally, right? <laughs> we we don't we, we we're not we're not um, we have to be taught to share. <laughs> you know? We have to be taught to get along with one another because naturally we would just step over one another. And so that's that's a great point. So moving moving forward to verse eighteen. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Hi. Have a seat. Uh, right over there. We're in Ephesians chapter two. So, like. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 again. So what, what strikes y'all about that verse? Scripture. Yes, absolutely. So what immediately jumps off the page to me is it's very Trinitarian. It's talking about we have access to Christ, by one spirit to the Father. So, right off, it's a good um, scripture to use in reference when you're talking to someone about the Trinity. You know, be it uh, a Muslim or um, Jehovah's Witness. Uh, there it is right there. And... Now, like I said, the, the veil illustration, the veil being torn down from top bottom in Mark chapter 15, we can now access Him. We don't have to have a high priest. Christ is our high priest. And uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, always, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, He is enough. He, in Him, we access the Father through the Spirit. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> Let me know when you do. But um, that's what it says. Yes, sir. Um. Another thing that jumps out to me is the word one, um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like Paul is anticipating what the Jews are going to say when they read this, and, and they're going to go, oh, well, for the Gentiles, you know, they can have a spirit or anything, but we're going to maintain the law, which is with the temple and the sacrificial system and all that kind of stuff, but he's negating that. He's saying, no, 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 this, because of what Christ has done, this is the way, the one and only way to God. Is, is through the Spirit to the Father, through the Spirit, through Christ. Christ mm -hmm. Spirit, Definitely. And, and in that one, the use of one there, it's, it's the unity. It's the unity of Christ and the Father and the Spirit. And like you said, it, it creates, it should engender in us um, a unity also. Not 
well, you've got that, you've got grace, I've got the law. So that's a great point. Right. Yeah. Great point. Moving on to verse 19. Therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Um, I hope you're getting a workout this morning. <laughs> Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. I'm here to pump you up. <laughs> um, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. <clears throat> There's neither... Uh, let's start in 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're all Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, we're not apart anymore. We're not strangers and foreigners gleaning the corners of the field that we learned about as we've been walking through Exodus. We're now sons. We're now close. We're intimately loved as children. Which I still don't understand also. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy. Um, this, this struck me when it, when it talks about the, the household of God in verse... Um, 19, we're, we're members of his household. So we'll get to the, the temple illustration in a minute, but <clears throat> we're now in him. We're, we're members of his house. How cool is that? <laughs> the, it, it brings to my mind, has anybody ever read John Bunyan's A Pilgrim's Progress? Put it on your reading list if you haven't. It's probably, it's, it's not the Bible, obviously, but it's it's a great allegory uh, to the Christian life. And in it, uh, Christian is on his journey, and he he had just um, fought Apollyon, which is a picture of the devil. Um, and he comes to this house that's on a hill, and he calls it the Palace Beautiful. And in it, he talks about Christian talking with other Christians and they're they're talking about the things of Christ and they're building each other up in Christ. And that's the picture of the church. It's the picture of the household of God um, that we're, we're all together and we're building each other up in Christ's love. And so that was a stark um, example that came to my mind. First... Mm. Christ is the way. You have access through Christ. In, 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 in that book, there's lots of bad examples where people are trying to go the other way. Right. Without Christ. Other than the wicked gate. Other than the wicked gate. And so, you only have unity, you only have hope, you only have promise if you first have Christ. Mm. Definitely. Great point. So, moving on to verse 20. We're about to wrap it up. 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What strikes you about that? Everything Philip's been saying over the past couple of years in Isaiah with <laughs> the temple analogy and how it's, um, it's not necessarily a temple, it's a symbol for the church. Mm. And how Christ is the cornerstone that holds it all together, but you and I are precious stones that are a part of that. And God is, is forming and molding us to be a part of that building to build up a new temple. Definitely. Definitely. And if you've seen how they're formed, they're chiseled. It hurts. Mm. Mm-hmm. To fit us together. Right. Because <laughs> that's not our natural inclination. Uh, what is it? What is he talking about when he says "built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets"? Yes. Definitely, definitely. Through the word, we see Christ's example. The apostles and prophets—they they didn't have the whole canon of Scripture when Paul was writing this letter, and so they had the Old Testament. The apostle, well, they had the prophets, <laughs> but you know Paul is moving forward, and through the apostles' doctrine, you know we see that the church was they stayed steadfast in that, and now we have the complete revealed scripture, and that's the foundation. With Christ, we see Christ in it, being the chief cornerstone. We're fitted together. Um, Romans eight chapter. Chapter 8, verse 29. <laughs> For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. So it's the idea that as we're being built up in Him, we're not, like you said, we're chiseled. We're not staying the same. We're being conformed to His image. And that's a daily battle. That's a daily process. We're not, we come to Christ as we are, but from there, we, we look to Him, we read His Word, and we grow in Him, being conformed daily to His image. <clears throat> um, so, as, as it talks about in verse 21 that we're um, grows into the dwelling place as a holy temple I uh, where is it at? Verse 22 come in verse 22 where it talks about <clears throat> that we're building, built up as a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Um, one more time. <laughs> Turn over to John chapter 17. Scripture interpret Scripture. <laughs> John chapter 17 and verse 21 through 26. Uh, we'll start in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you have gave me, I have given them, 
that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. So it's, it's this, this great picture of, of unity. As Christ and the Father and the Spirit are one, so we are in Him, and we, are, we have unity with each other as well. Um, it's, it's a great, like I say, it's a great picture that, that it's hard to understand, but we're grateful to, to know and to be made aware of His mystery through His Word. That, that we are one in Christ. <clears throat> so, kind of to wrap it up and put a bow on it. <laughs> we were once separated from God without hope, but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Through his peace, um, we now have, we're now part of the circumcision that's without hands, as Colossians 2 says. You know, we did have the circumcision versus uncircumcision picture, but everyone who's in Christ is now in the circumcision without hands. The, the far are brought near through his peace. Through his peace, the time that we were without Christ, we are now in Him. So we were without Him, and now we're in Him, and He is in us. Through His peace, strangers are now citizens. Where there was enmity, there now is unity. Love those motifs. <laughs> in His peace. Christ is our peace. Do we really live like this? I know I don't. How do we do that? Are we, are we truly complete in Him, as Colossians 2 says, that we're complete in Christ? Do we need career success to be content? Do we need a boyfriend, a girlfriend to be content in Him, a spouse? Do we need a college degree? Do we need our physical appearance, our friends, our finances? Fill in the blank. Whatever it is that, that we see ourselves as being that completes us is an idol. And that's hard. That's hard. It's a daily battle. It's a daily battle. <clears throat> what do we do then? What do we do? We boldly approach the throne of grace... As Hebrews 4 says, the veil is torn, we can constantly come to Him. As Philip says almost every Sunday, it's a process. We repent and believe. We repent and believe. Constantly coming forward through Christ in Him. Not trusting in what we bring, 
there's nothing we can do, but we truly trust in Him and His merits and what He did on the cross. Also, we meditate on His Word. We do His Word. We don't just hear it. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing. We can, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, we do this. You know, do this, don't do this. Laws and ordinances. But we believe in Him. Visit, live in His Word daily. Last, we regularly meet together. We build each other up in community in Christ. We're fitted together as a holy temple brought near by Christ's lifeblood. I know for me, it's, it's easy to let life get you down, to get bogged down with your job and to whatever it is, fill in the blank. But sometimes, I know I don't, I don't often see myself as being built up together as a holy temple. You know, Christ has purchased us, and in Him we're complete, and we should live our lives showing others of that great mercy that, um, that He brought us to Him. Do we live like that? Do we live like Christ's holy temple? <clears throat> we love each other in sincerity and pray for and with one another. <clears throat> Paul, throughout the whole, the whole New Testament, Paul's letters are replete with, with him praying for the, the, the people he's writing. You know, I, <clears throat> making mention of you in my prayers. You know, it's, it's a constant, constant, you know, help to each other. You know, that we're not in this alone. <clears throat> Alistair Begg says that uh, we come to Christ individually but we live in Christ collectively. It's, it's being built up in His unity. <clears throat> reflecting Christ, reflect, reflecting His peace, making much Christ so the world can see the peace that, that there is, that passes all understanding. Thoughts, questions, concerns? Mm. At Christmas time, think about the humbleness of God becoming a baby. Mm. Humble beginnings. And look at what He did with that. There's a growing process. There's going to be a growing process in you. You're not going to miraculously wake up and be there tomorrow. <laughs> I wish, but I'm not there. <clears throat> and so wherever you're at, you can have peace today. Mm. Because the hope is he that began a good work in you will complete it. Mm. Great word. You know, for me, the, the application is um, I kind of live in a Christian bubble. I don't have too many non-Christian friends. And, and in the flesh, I have a tendency to, to lift my chin and my nose up and look just straight over the top of people and say, I'm better than them. And, you know, we, I, I draw distinctions and I judge and... Uh, this passage really hits me between the eyes because if I focus on Jesus and I focus on what this says, we're all the same. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is our identity. It's not differences among people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's humbling. That's the application for me. Mm.
16, it says, because of the great love with which he loved us. And we're rooted and grounded in love. And if we don't love him rightly, if we don't love others rightly, we're not going to repent and believe rightly. We're not going to do any of this rightly. Mm. Um, seeing what scripture says about love, living that out, and not being so confused by what the world calls love. Mm. And being faithful every day. Mm. Starting from the inside out. <clears throat> How can we say we love God when we don't love our brothers? As John writes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're talking about the peace that he brings. And um, during this Advent season, uh, I've been listening to things about the reason Christ came to the world. And it was uh, to bring peace and unity. And that was his purpose on coming uh, and living and making the sacrifice that he did. He hasn't yet made his second advent, which is going to come to judge the world. Uh, we too often try to go ahead and make those distinctions between Christian and non-Christian, uh, uh, which they're there, but uh, Christ hasn't finished yet in judging. And that wasn't the reason for his first advent. Mm. And that'll be the reason for his second advent. <coughs> it hasn't happened yet. Right. Right. And <clears throat> it, it's also interesting to note... <clears throat> You know, he, he is our peace. And, and through, through reconciling us to him and tearing down the wall of separation, we do have peace. But he also said, I did not come to bring peace. What do we do with that? Yeah, right, right. He said, you know, brother, mother, we'll, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I take that to mean not that he didn't come to bring peace among us, but he right. came. His ultimate and, and paramount reason for coming is his own glory. Right. And to to lift up his own glory is to show in contrast uh, light and dark. Sure. And so I think him not coming to bring peace but instead of bring the sword is is to show that. That's that right. it, that stupid song that comes on the radio that says that the number one reason Jesus came to die is us and all that stuff. <laughs> he came to die for his own glory mm. is to lift himself up because right. worshiping anything other than the tip-top thing of the universe and beyond is idolatry. Mm-hmm. God can't do that, so he worships himself. Mm-hmm. So. Right, and yeah, and and, <laughs> and he's talking about the ultimately the gospel is an offense. We see it. I mean, we the world pushes against it, and so that. I think that's what he's talking about there. He is our peace. He is the peace that passes all understanding. But at this time, he didn't bring peace in a social sense. Right. So right. that's an interesting uh, point. Well, um, I think that's all I have. Thank you all for being here. Let me close this in a word of prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> Thank you, God, that you are our peace. That we who were once far off from you uh, are brought near by your blood and <clears throat> that there's no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female, uh, slave or free, but we're all one in you. Help us to remember that. Help us to live that uh, together in unity and community with you and each other. Uh, forgive us for our trespasses against one another, God. Help us to um, be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave us. Lord, keep that on our minds. Um, 
thank you for today, Lord. We ask that you would uh, be with Philip as he brings the message this morning. Help us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Guide us and direct us. Keep Kim, <coughs> Kevin and Tammy safe as they travel back. Um, thank you for your son. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you.